Yes, Jesse, as the days pass and I witness the insane, deranged, and criminal behavior of the liberal left, people like yourself, I'm convinced more than ever that electing Donald Trump was the right thing for the future of America. You fit all these criteria, Dolly Madison. You're, de you're a deranged douchebag, and you dishonor the Marine Corps. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. All right, welcome to the show, episode 372 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, and seated across from me, the other half of the show, many think the better half of the show, my lovely co-host, Brittany Page. I thought you were going to say the not-in-jail Brittany Page. The not-in-jail Brittany Page. Because we narrowly escaped jail. Help me out. The mail. Oh, the mail. The mail jail. <laughs> we almost went to mail jail. Yeah, wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's very funny. Come on now. I didn't know you were helping me segue into the, what we're going to talk I'm about. I'm not helping you segue. I'm also on the show here. I'm trying to do a job as well. And I am. It, and am what is that? Doing it. <laughs> and doing it well. Yeah. yeah. So. One of our favorite things in the world happened the other day. There we, was something in the P.O. box. Yeah, we went to the P.O. box. The P.O. box, not the P.O. box. Yeah, P.O. box. Seven up. P.O. box. Not seven up. <laughs> uh, we went to the P.O. box. The P.O. box. <laughs> we went to the mailbox. Goddamn. And uh, one of our loyal, awesome listeners, one more of our loyal, awesome listeners sent us booze yes. in the mail. One of my favorite things yes. to receive from listeners. Well, it's always nice to get anything in there, even um, junk mail, because usually it's just empty. <laughs> That's it's right. a sad, sad <laughs> trip to the mailbox. But um, we it was one of those situations where the package was too big to fit in the um, box. Both the box and also the little... Other boxes that they have in the lobby that you, they just put a key in your mailbox and then you yeah. go open it. It was too big for that. Yeah. So we had to wait until the post office was open again because we tried to go on a Saturday, but apparently they um, decide to open on Saturday whenever they want. It's not posted. Yeah. They just decide. Government uh, work, seriously, must be awesome because on the door, it has Monday through Friday hours. Right. Sunday, it says closed. Right. And there's no Saturday listed anywhere. And they have been open before on Saturday. Of course. But sometimes they're not. So I think it's just when they feel like it, they'll come in. Anyway. If they don't feel like it, they don't. Very odd. We picked up the, the, the package. Yes. And she had to go into the back to yeah, get Yeah, she she goes back into the, the, the secret dungeon back there and yeah. finds our mail, probably just strewn about on the floor. Yeah. No organization, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And comes out with, with the package. Yes. And she's kind of shaking it as she walks out. Yeah. And she says, what's in this? 
suspiciously. Yeah. Well, I said it got mailed to us. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Um. I hope it's not alcohol. She says. Yeah. I go, well, is, no, she says, is it alcohol? Yeah. I certainly hope it's not. <laughs> and I said, well, I, how how do I know? Yeah. I said, it was mailed to us. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I didn't mail it to us. Mm-hmm. And when we left, Brittany, you were a bit off. I think it rattled you a little bit. Well, yeah. I mean, I was getting ready to say, just take it. I don't know. What is it? <laughs> It's okay. Do you need it? <laughs> I throw myself on the mercy of the court. Yeah. Um, because apparently it's uh, a problem. It's illegal. Yeah. But also, you you don't seem to hold up well under pressure. You would be the first to fold if you were a member of the Trump administration. You know. You'd be the George Papadopoulos or Michael Flynn, I think. Well, here's the deal. I've come a long way. <laughs> Um, I didn't always used to be like this. That's right. And it's probably better that I am. That is correct. I think so. I think so. <laughs> okay. But I was I was quick quick on the draw. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was Which ready is to, concerning. I was ready to go into very great detail about mm. the show and the fact that we have listeners that mail us things. Right. And how the fuck do I know what it is? Just give me my goddamn package. Yes. I didn't have to go there, though. Thankfully. So we got home and opened it, and it was homemade moonshine. A serious, a giant jug mm-hmm. of what she describes as m- moonshine, but it's a, it's got a holiday smell to it. We've not yet tasted it. That's what we're going to do right now. Yeah, a live taste test. And there's cinnamon sticks all afloating in there. Yep. Mm-hmm. Very holiday. L- let me say this about this particular part of the show. Mm-hmm. Don't send us homemade stuff. <laughs> the reason the reason we're going to drink this is because this particular listener, Amy, is a long-time listener of the show with whom we've had some connection. Yeah, I I also she sent us mugs one time. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah, she she is someone who has made it clear that um she's not going to poison or murder us or send us like fucking jizz cookies. We we don't want your jizz cookies. Yeah, yeah. Nor your jizz moonshine. I'm just trusting exactly. that Amy sent us unjizzed. Yeah, jizz free shine. Yeah. So it, it came with a little note and um, it says, give a little shake and then best when warmed like a cup of tea. Mm. Smiley face. We're not doing that. We're I real- it room temperature. I realize the gallon jug is overkill, but thought Jesse may want to take up playing the jug in Drew's upcoming banjo band. Mm. All right. J- uh, Drew does have the uh, the banjo that he is contemplating starting a band, I guess. No, he's not. <laughs> It is and not going to happen. <laughs> it is. It's not a wooden jug with like X's on it like you'd no, see in a no, fucking no, no. cartoon. Yeah. Like Cletus from The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. But it's a, it's a big glass jug with a handle. I mean, it looks just like one of those. It can. It's a, a jug that could double as a weapon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's without further ado, let's do this. Let's drink this uh, jizz-free moonshine. All right. Here we go. I'll give it a little, uh, yeah, little sniff. Very, a very distinct Cider. cinnamon... And with a cider kind of a smell to it. Mm-hmm. Mulling spices, I think they're called. Yeah. All right, you're going for it. I guess I should go for it as well. Hmm. Moonshine, she said, huh? Hmm. <laughs> has a good, uh, great flavor. 
it kind of reminds me a of... A good, great flavor. It kind of reminds me of, uh, like, it tastes like applesauce. Like a cinnamon applesauce. Very much. I'm getting a little warmth now in the belly. Yeah, this is easy drinking for sure. Yeah, I don't know if I'd qualify. I, I've only tasted moonshine a couple of times in the in in, in when I lived in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. I almost announced when you were a marine. My service in the Marine Corps. I mean, you're always a marine, <laughs> but you know, uh, Jesse was a marine. Everybody. I, anyway, uh, and it's it's not easy going down. At least I remember. Well. Maybe that was jizz moonshine, and because this doesn't have any, it's 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 less harsh going down. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Amy, goddamn, thank you so much for the gift for wine. the for the moonshine for mm-hmm. the. You'll have to communicate with us exactly how moonshiny it is. What's the what's the ingredient? Well, <laughs> are you concerned? It's like it's too easy drinking. So now you're like concerned. Why is it so easy? Yeah, to like drink? is it? You know, I, you know. It's it, it, did she just get a, a you know a, a cider and a sprite and then mix it with cinnamon? I mean, what, that's not moonshine. I'm plus. I'm, I'd like to know how to make some moonshine. I'm sure that's not what happens. And she's got a still in the backyard and she's concocting. Well, I think I'll drink this whole thing and then see how I feel. Or is this um, like prison moon? We'll test it like that. Prison bathtub gin. <laughs> huh? I hope it didn't come out of a bathtub. <laughs> Again, Amy, we're trusting you. <laughs> yeah. We, we seriously just put a lot of trust in you. If I'm dead by the end of the episode, well, no one will know because we'll be dead. No one will be able to post this. Mm. That is how that works. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we got a big show. whole bunch of shit to talk about today. Uh, I was talking to some fellas earlier, and I said, you know, it's it's always it's always good when we push a show a day. We were going to do the show last <laughs> night. Yeah. But we went to a candidate forum mm-hmm. of the, the men and women who are running against our particular congressman, Dana Rohrbacher, mm-hmm. Russia's favorite congressman in the United States House of Representatives. That's what they say. And... Uh, so we went to that, so we couldn't do the show. And then this morning, we were rushing. I did two videos today. All kinds of stuff was happening. I said, let's just push the show until this evening. And then, holy shit, mm-hmm. Donald Trump acted like Donald Trump. Yeah. And we're going to get to all that. So some days, it's you know it's okay that we push because mm-hmm. something comes up. Because had we done the show last night or this morning, yeah. there'd be this fucking thing hanging out there until Sunday during the live stream. Yes. We don't want that. No. We don't want that. <laughs> so so let's get into this. We are because it's such a full show. We're getting ready to play like an 11-minute clip of something. Yeah. And it's important. We wouldn't do this and co-op the show if it wasn't important. Obviously, we've talked a ton about sexual assault and sexual abuse and predatory behavior. We've talked about the discussion of where's the line, who can be brought back into the fold, who should be ostracized from society forever because of their actions. Um, Kind of the difference between the Weinstein effect and Louis C.K. and all that territory in between. Uh, James Franco is now having multiple allegations leveled against him some far more serious than others some of the accounts some of the the allegations and Brittany brought this to me today and i haven't listened to this all i did was go from timestamp to timestamp 
and we're going to listen to this together, of Dan Harmon. Why don't you kind of lay the, the groundwork here of the tweet that you saw? Okay, well, first of all, he's the creator of the show Community that used to be on NBC. And Rick and Morty. Yeah, co-creator of Rick and Morty, which I'm sure everyone knows and loves. Yes. So this uh, woman named Megan Gans tweeted um, and accused him of sexual harassment when she was a writer on Community, I believe. And she called him out publicly said that she had been sexually harassed and then some time went by and she tweeted today that um, that she had called him out last week for the sexual harassment, but that today she's asking that everyone go listen to his podcast and put a link to his podcast. And um, she said, I'm not being flippant. I didn't bring up this mess just to sweep it back under the rug. But I find myself in the odd position of having requested an apology publicly and then having received one, a good one, also publicly. I waited six years for it, but you can find it in this podcast. Please listen to it. It is a masterclass in how to apologize. He's not rationalizing or justifying or making excuses. He doesn't just vaguely acknowledge some general wrongdoing in the past. He gives a full account. Yes, I only listened because I expected an apology, but what I didn't expect was the relief I'd feel just hearing him say those things actually happened. I didn't dream it. I'm not crazy, right? She goes on. She goes on to forgive him. Yeah. And I listened to this and I was moved to tears while I was listening to it because it is that powerful. So we wanted to play the whole thing and then come back and talk about it. So again, this is Dan Harmon. His podcast is Harmon Town, apologizing and talking about this particular instance. Uh, I'm preoccupied by this thing. I gotta, I gotta get it done. I've had people telling me I've, I've had a lot of advice. Don't talk about it. You don't have to talk about it. It's done. Legal advice. Don't talk about it. You open yourself up. The most important advice I've gotten is from women that I respect that do what I do that, um, that are respected and that, spoke to me privately and said, uh, you know, if, if you're true to your word and you are sincere about how you want to be part of the solution, not part of the problem, um, you know, please talk about how you've been part of the problem. That's, that's truly the most helpful thing you can do. Um, please appreciate, if you're listening to me, that the tightrope I have to walk here is I have to, I want to make this a normal part of the process because it should be healthy and easy and graceful. It, it, should be, it, it, it should be a thing that can be done and doesn't have to create civil war and hysteria um, for, that doesn't make people get re-victimized and attacked. You're not doing me any favors at all. You're only hurting everybody, especially me, if this topic causes you to attack anybody involved. Um, you may think it's in my defense. You may think it's in defense of fairness. I ask you to think about what you think fair is. Um, that's enough disclaiming. I have, I have, I have really, really had to think about you know this, and uh, and decided I need to talk about it. I, don't, I want you know I want to target about what five to seven minutes, <laughs> and then and then pull me out of here. 
After which, hopefully, I've done some good by just uh, talking about this. This is about Froyo Life closing down, right? Yes, Froyo Life recently closed down. (laughs) Uh, It 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 in in two thousand whatever whatever I can't remember two thousand nine two thousand six two thousand something something I had the privilege of running a uh, network sitcom, and I uh, I was attracted to a employee. I really want to be careful about that language. I think a huge part of the problem is a culture of feeling things that you think are unique and significant because they're happening to you and saying things like I had feelings for, and I, it, it, I fell for and all these things. I mean, the most clinical way I can put it and fessing up to my crimes is that I was attracted to a writer that I had power over because I was a showrunner. And I knew enough to know that these feelings were bad news. That was easy enough to know. I knew that they ran the risk of undercutting people's faith in my judgment, her faith in her talent, the other writer's respect for me, the entire production, the audience. I knew... I wasn't doing anybody any favors by feeling these things. And so I did the cowardly, easiest, laziest thing you could do with feelings like that, and I didn't deal with them. And in not dealing with them, I made everybody else deal with them, especially her. Flirty, creepy, everything other than overt enough to constitute betraying your live-in girlfriend to whom you're going home every night who is actually smart enough and respectful enough to ask you, do you have feelings for that young writer that you're talking about, that you're paying all this attention to, and saying to her no? Because the trick is if you lie to yourself, you can lie to everybody. It's really easy. And so that's what I continued to do, telling myself and anybody that threatened to confront me with it, that if you thought what I was doing was creepy or flirty or unprofessional, then it's because you were the sexist. You were jealous. I was supporting this person. I'm a mentor. I'm a feminist. It's your problem, not mine. It's your, You're the one that actually is seeing things through that lens. And... And so I let myself keep doing it. And it's not as if this person didn't repeatedly communicate to me the idea that what I was doing was divesting her of a recourse to integrity. I just didn't hear it. And it's because it didn't profit me to hear it. And this was after all happening to me, right? And so after a season of playing it that way, I broke up with my girlfriend who I had lied to the whole time while lying to myself, lied to her about why I was breaking up with her because I thought that would make having inappropriate feelings for a coworker appropriate if I wasn't involved. I want you to be the one to examine this and every step of the way decide for yourself where I'm making mistakes. I don't want to explain to you what I've learned. I want you to 
look at this. And I want it to sound relatively unremarkable to you because that's the danger. Um, I broke up with my girlfriend, then I went right, you know, full steam into creeping on my employee. Um, now it was even less appropriate after all. Now I wasn't in danger of being a bad person. And then after that season, you know, I got overt about my feelings after it was wrapped because now, and, and said, oh, I, I, I love you. And, and she said the same thing she'd been saying the entire time in one language or another. Please, don't you understand that focusing on me like this, liking me like this, preferring me like this, I can't say no to it. And when you do it, it makes me unable to know whether I'm good at my job. And because I finally got to the point where I said to her, oh, uh, this is, you know, I love you because that's what I thought it was. When you target somebody for two years um, and it was therefore rejected that way, I was humiliated. And so I continued to do the cowardly thing and continued to do the selfish thing. Now I wanted to teach her a lesson. I wanted to show her that if she didn't like being liked in that way, then, oh boy, she should get over herself. After all, if you're just going to be a writer, then this is how just writers get treated. And that was probably the darkest of it all. I, I'm going to assume that when she tweets about it, you know, and refers to trauma, that that's probably it because I drank, I took pills, I crushed on her and resented her for not reciprocating it. And the entire time I was the one writing her paychecks and in control of whether she stayed or went and whether she felt good about herself or not and said horrible things. Just treated her cruelly, pointedly. Things that I would never, ever, ever have done if she had been male. And if I had never had those feelings for her. And I lied to myself the entire time about it. And I lost my job. I ruined my show. I betrayed the audience. I destroyed everything. And I damaged her internal compass. And I moved on. And... uh I never did it before, and I will never do it again, but I certainly wouldn't have been able to do it if I had any respect for women. On a fundamental level, I was thinking about them as different creatures. I was thinking about the ones that I liked as having some special role in my life. And I, I did it all by not thinking about it. So I just want to say, in addition to obviously being sorry but that's really not the important thing. I want to say, 
I did it by not thinking about it. And I got away with it by not thinking about it. And if she hadn't mentioned something on Twitter, I would have continued to not have to think about it. Although I did walk around with my stomach in knots about it. But I wouldn't have had to talk about it. And I, the, the, the last and most important thing I can say is just think about it. No matter who you are at work, no matter where you're working, no matter what field you're in, no matter what position you have over or under or side by side with somebody, just think about it. You gotta, because if you don't think about it, you're going to get away with not thinking about it. And you can cause a lot of damage that is technically legal um, and hurts everybody. And I think that we're living in a good time right now because we're not going to get away with it anymore. And if we can make it a normal part of our culture that we think about it and possibly talk about it, then maybe we can get to a better place where that stuff doesn't happen. Uh, so that's it. Um, please, please don't hurt her. Um, please don't, please don't, please don't make this worse on anybody but me. Um, and uh, and let's move on. I, I'm I'm bad at ending things. I'm gonna now have a drink. So, um, powerful. I, yeah, I have a lot of thoughts. But first, I want to read um, her final tweet in the tweet thread. Um, she wrote, "Quote: This was never about vengeance. It's about vindication. That's why it didn't feel right to just accept his apology in private. Although I did that too." Because if any part of this process should be done in the light, it's the forgiveness part. And so, Dan Harmon, I forgive wow. you. Um, that is powerful. Yeah. Um, we have talked a lot about, you know, like Louis C.K., was his apology genuine? Are these people being genuine when they apologize? And when I heard this, uh, this was genuine to me. Yeah. It wasn't a prefab constructed statement that uses very very careful legal tightrope language right that so many from harvey weinstein weinstein on down yeah including louis ck yeah very carefully worded this was an 11 minute he wanted to go five to seven minutes he almost doubled that and look i've heard all kinds of bad stuff about dan Harmon from when he was the showrunner creator of community. And uh, he seems to be a very self-reflective guy, understands the mistakes he made, and is in his um holding himself to account. And you know, he shouldn't be we shouldn't hold him up on a pedestal. Oh, what a wonderful man for apologizing. He did the human thing, he just did it the way it should be done. So I wanted to say that I I listened to it because of her tweet. And so my reaction may have been at least partially informed by knowing that it was good enough for her. Yeah. And knowing that it's good enough for her, the victim, probably made it easier for me to accept it. Mm -hmm. But I also thought it was powerful how he talked about his ex-girlfriend. Now when his ex-girlfriend listens to this, she will feel some relief too, knowing that, well, maybe not relief because she was gaslighted that whole time, but knowing that... She wasn't nuts. Yeah, that she was understanding what was going on. And his quote where he said, I damaged her internal compass. Yeah. 
talking about Megan Gans. Yeah. This is really what happens when this kind of shit goes on is you start questioning yourself and it starts becoming confusing. And so it was just really nice to hear someone recognize that, you know, and I don't know if he knew in the moment that he's doing that kind of damage or if it is some sort of self-reflection where he's gone to therapy or talked to women or something. But that was just a lot of a lot of the phrasing that he used, I thought was unique and something that you don't normally hear yeah. from men who are accused of these things. Well, even the the the, the robbing her of her compass, internal compass, is it even goes to when he talks about that she he made her unable to know whether she was good at her job, even. Mm-hmm. And that may seem weird, but it's not like they work in a factory or have a metric by which they can measure how good or bad they're doing at their job because they're in a creative space. Is the work I'm producing funny? Is it quality? Does it add to the show? You don't really know because if all of the praise you're getting is based on his boner for you, mm-hmm. his emotional attachment to you, right? then you don't really know how good you're doing. Yeah. I also love the quote that he it was divesting her of a recourse to integrity. He's being very thoughtful here. And again, I don't want to SSD because he did a bad thing and we shouldn't pour and heap praise upon somebody for doing the right fucking thing. But in honor of the fact that she's accepting the responsibility and making it public, we want to talk about it. Accepting the apology. Accepting the apology. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing I really wanted to talk about was the fact that he's admitting here, and this this is really where the line is. If you're out there and you're questioning how you treat someone, he says, I did things I never would have done if she had been a man. Right. That right there is everything from the perspective of a heterosexual man, woman, harassment, employee, employer kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I actually, I kind of wish this was an interview because I would have liked to have asked a question about that. Like, um, you know, what does he mean by that? Does he mean a man would beat his ass? You know, like, what does he mean that he wouldn't yeah. be able to get away with doing that to a man? Because I think um, women have too often um, try to toe that line of, oh, someone said something to me or did something inappropriate, but I don't want to make them uncomfortable. I don't want to make everyone in the office feel uncomfortable. So I'm just going to take it. And you watch like men who have things happen in the office or whatever. And they're like, what the fuck did you just say to me? That's exactly right. Um, So I, I wonder if that's what he was getting out there, but Yeah, I just, I found this really powerful. And as these names continue to come out, like you said, James Franco and uh, Ronan Farrow is working on another another story coming out. He won't comment on what it is, but he's getting ready to um, release another one. So I don't know if it's related, but uh, as these names continue to come out, I think that it's interesting um, if we continue the conversation of, you know, how can people be forgiven and what does that look like yeah obviously megan gans um i mean she forgave him so it's really you know she's the victim and she's speaking and if it's good with her then that's what's most important yeah there's is one more thing sorry uh about his apology that i thought was golden 
and that is he is both pro preemptively and then after the fact saying to to his rabid fans yeah leave her the fuck alone all the rick and morty yeah do people. not attack her mm -hmm. you leave her the fuck alone because that's only going to make this worse and he doesn't want to compound on the pain that has already been inflicted on her i i don't know i i thought i thought that was noble yeah yeah so good on dan Harmon. Uh, good for Megan Gans for being strong enough, having the wherewithal enough to call him out, and then also um, exhibiting behavior that I think we could all learn from and incorporate it in our own lives. I, I especially, um, is maybe not quick to forgive, but forgiving at an appropriate pace, because I'm not quick to forgive. I'm a, I'm a grudge holder. And I could, I have some work to do in that in that department. So, we we hope that th this has been um, informative. We would love to continue this conversation. Six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. Support for I doubt it with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and. Good-looking listeners like you, by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore. The new Patreon supporters are Sean, Sean, and Jackie, Jackie, and then we have three Patreon supporters who have upped their pledge. Oh wow, that is awesome! Jason, Jason, Tiffany, Tiffany, and Sam, Sam, and Jason. Since I haven't responded to you yet on Patreon, I, I did. Okay, and I said something like, "Of course, motherfucker! Of course, you're going to get stickers in Canada." Yeah, I said something like, "We world ride." Okay. <laughs> we worldwide. Good. Thank you for doing that. Um, sorry that he uh, wrote to you in that fashion. Uh, this this message is from Sam. So along with uh, his upping of the pledge, he sent us a message. And um, at the end, I'm just going to read the end first because there's a parenthetical. I'm not saying you should share this email in an effort to plant the seed in others in the same situation, but... Dot, dot, dot. So here we go. Brittany and Jesse, I've projected my 2018 tax burden. Okay, let's stop here. What? <laughs> <laughs> this guy is... On top of his shit. You are taking care of biz, I sir. projected my tax burden over the course of the next decade, and here's <laughs> what I found. It is the 11th, sir, and you actually <laughs> sent this to us on the 9th. Right. That is very impressive. Okay. And I'm fairly certain, back to the email, that the new tax cuts will personally benefit me. I feel that it is my civic and patriotic duty, and I'm not being flippant or sarcastic, to spread some of that saving to those who are less fortunate and to those who I believe will make a difference. I think you and your podcast fall under the latter category. So I'm bumping my Patreon pledge to the $10 level. Keep doing what you do, and God damn it, Jesse D, be nicer to Brittany. Be nicer? So amazing. Come on! Sam. Sam, thank you very much. Thank you for the... The blurby advertisement type email. We appreciate it very much. Listen, we are listener supported. We are a listener produced show. 
we we pride ourselves in not hiding behind hiding our content behind a Patreon paywall. And the reason I feel confident about that is because I think I know our audience. And I, I think we've connected enough with our Patreon supporters to know that they are joining with us to create bonus content. They are joining with us to, to produce what we do here on the show. Now, there are a few things we do that are only for patrons that aren't really show-related, like the, the, the Patreon calls, the, the Google Hangouts. We're still calling them Google Hangouts, even though that's not what they are. And also, we do a live stream on YouTube, which is really no different than what you're getting here, except for you don't hear us cough on the regular show, and you hear us cough. And Are you, you know. insulting me? I'm the one who's coughing all the time. No, I coughed last time, so you're specifically calling me out right now. I'm trying to get get real with the audience here. Okay, here's here's You're stepping on my dick. All right. So, the live stream is every Sunday at 6 p.m. Los Angeles time for the 10 and above Patreon That supporters. is right. And the last Sunday of every month is for public. Worldwide. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you can support the show by shopping on Amazon, dollamore.com slash Amazon. And if you want any I Doubt It With Dollamore products like T-shirts, Classy Laid shirts, Classy Laid mugs, I Doubt It With Dollamore mugs. Oh, hang on. There's also two new products at dollamore.info. Oh. They are related to a brand new project. I'm not going to say what it is. You'll have to go there to see the t-shirt and the mug that has been added that will be a new project that we're going to announce this coming week. This coming week? This week we're going to announce it. Wow. We're going live this coming week. There you go. If you want to know and you want to get on board, by the way, the, we're going to end this very quickly here. I'm not going to continue to make this a fucking commercial. Um, if you want to get on board and you want one of those shirts or those mugs, I have dropped the price of those particular items to where there is no commission at all on that. That is bare bones pricing, and that's just kind of as a promotional item to to spread the word. So um, you're getting the same price I am. <laughs> Perfect. All right. We love you guys. Thanks for everything you do. Democracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. What a day it has been. I swear to God. Donald Trump, <sighs> seriously, I mean, let's let's lead off this segment. Actually, no, let's start here before we get to the shithole stuff. The shithole talking about shitholes. Recently, Donald Trump, well, not recently, ever since he was elected president, when he was president-elect, he started this victory tour, talking about all of the companies that are going to jump on board and be spreading the goodwill and going to be acting in the interest of their workers because of the, the great business environment Donald Trump is going to create. Uh-huh. And there have been a few of these over-the-top Announcements from Walmart and AT&T um, that, that act like they are 
the second coming of Christ in corporate form. Walmart has announced that they are going to be giving um, up to $1,000 bonuses to the company. And this was huge news. What did Sarah Huckabee Sanders tweet? She tweeted, huge news, truly amazing and inspiring to witness the tax cuts lifting millions of hardworking Americans up. So Walmart has announced that starting very soon, they're going to be increasing the opening wage to $11 an hour. They're going to be expanding parental leave and a one-time bonus benefiting all eligible full and part-time associates in the United States. Right. They were bragging about how they're going to share their, their tax savings with their associates. Right. Meaning big, workers. Big news. Mm-hmm. Loudly talked about. Well, using the word associates, you think of even the cashiers. You think of not just all, upper echelon. All eligible, it said. Uh, but in the tweet, I mean, it says that they're going to share oh, right. their tax savings with our associates. Right. But then if you read the fine print down there on their little infographic, it says all eligible. So hours later, with less fanfare, obviously, there's an announcement that Walmart is abruptly closing several Sam's Club stores and laying off thousands of workers. And nobody knows why. Come the fuck on. The other thing that got released today is the fact that those up to thousand those up to thousand dollar bonuses the eligibility requirement is that it's for those associates who have been with the company 20 years or more wow they're really spreading the wealth around because of the tax incentive because of the tax bill the other company is AT&T They also have been announcing and talking about their Comcast and AT&T to hand out $1,000 bonuses to celebrate their anticipated tax windfall. Hours later, quietly, Comcast fired hundreds of workers before Christmas alongside pledge to give $1,000 quote-unquote Trump tax bonuses. Always look a little deeper. These companies aren't charities. I don't expect them to act like charities. But if they're going to try to act this way, that we're all, we're doing the right thing. We're doing, we need to hold their fucking feet to the fire. There's really no, I'm not looking for some call to action here because I don't know what you do. But maybe just not praise Walmart on Twitter. Maybe, yeah. And what's also just informational that you know when your Facebook friends say this, Mm -hmm. uh, that is not the case. Yeah. We will post these pictures to the Facebook page so you can share them readily with your friends who are Trump supporters and who think that Walmart and AT&T and these other companies are actually doing what they're doing because of the Trump tax pledge, the tax scam bill. And not for some more profit-driven reason. Because again, they're not fucking charities. They're businesses and they're run accordingly. Now, let's get to the latest news about Donald Trump and his racism. I'm probably the least racist person on earth. Oh, apparently he's not racist. He just said he's probably the least racist. So uh, I stand corrected. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Parents, if you're watching with children, uh, you might want to mute for the next 35 seconds. The Washington Post reported minutes ago that today in the Oval Office, President Trump grew frustrated with lawmakers discussing immigration when they floated restoring protections for immigrants from Haiti, El Salvador, and African countries as part of a bipartisan immigration deal. Here's the moment you want to mute. The Post reports that according to two people briefed in the meeting, the president asked, quote, why are we having all these people from shithole countries come here? Referring to African countries and Haiti, the president then went on to talk about how they needed to bring in more people from places like Norway. This is from Raj Shaw, who is the principal deputy press secretary over here. We can put this up on screen. It's a lengthy statement. Uh, it says certain Washington politicians choose to fight for foreign countries, uh, but President Trump will always fight for the American people. The president will only accept an immigration deal that adequately addresses the visa lottery program and chain migration to programs that hurt our economy and allow terrorists into our country. Like other nations that have merit-based immigration, President Trump is fighting for permanent solutions that make our country stronger by welcoming those who can contribute to our society, grow our uh, economy, and assimilate into our great nation. He will always reject temporary weak and dangerous stopgap measures that threaten the lives of hardworking Americans and undercut immigrants who seek a better life in the United States through a legal pathway. So just to really clarify this this uh, quote from Donald Trump, and I want you to hang on in your mind to what Jim Acosta just referenced, the merit-based immigration plan. Okay. Probably the least racist person on earth. Quote, unquote, merit-based. Okay, well, this is what Trump said. Why are we having all these people from shithole countries come here? Trump said, according to people in the room, referring to African countries and Haiti. He then suggested that the United States should instead bring more people from countries like Norway, hmm. whose prime minister he met on Wednesday. Right. The last person he met. Now, I posted this and I said dog whistle. But I don't know that this is a dog whistle. This is pretty uh, blatant, pretty clear. I mean, it's going to make people like David Duke and Richard Spencer very happy. Stephen Miller in his own fucking administration. Yeah, very pleased. Very pleased. Um, I I don't know how they can continue to hang on to this merit-based immigration model. I mean, Donald Trump isn't saying that he wants more people of a certain education level. Or, you know, of a certain job. He's saying that he wants people from Norway. That's right. And not from Haiti. Remember recently when it was reported that he said about Haitians, oh, they all have AIDS. Yeah. This is what he believes. When someone demonstrates themselves to be a fucking racist, you take them at their word. Donald Trump is a racist. Donald Trump has racists in places of high position in the White House. Stephen Miller, his chief domestic policy advisor, who talks about this all the time, who is chirping in his ear constantly with this racist, white supremacist, white nationalist agenda. Yeah, but... Constantly. Donald Trump has always talked like this no no i'm not so, saying it's new for him i'm saying it's reinforced constantly i know i think i'm i think i used but because i'm imagining you as um everyone that i want to argue against right now <laughs> <laughs> 
I have had a hell of a day. With I think this it's going the moonshine. Yeah, it's probably the moonshine. It's the moonshine. Um, well, yeah. So, first of all, no one in Norway wants to come here, okay? Because they have like healthcare there, where yeah, yeah. where there's not patient dumping. Okay, we'll get to that on the next episode, but um, they don't have to worry about things like that. Okay, and and isn't Norway the the socialist fucking wasteland? That Donald Trump is constantly trying to talk about. And Tommy Lahren is always prattling on about. They make fun of Bernie Sanders for being a democratic socialist. What the fuck do you think they've got going on in Norway? Why would they want to come here? Well, let me read to you some reactions. So this was Jeb Bush on Twitter. Jeb Bush, Republican. For every one step forward POTUS takes when it comes to judgment and good, coherent policy decisions, he inexplicably and without fail takes 10 steps back. I hope today's comments were just a crass and flippant mistake and do not reflect the hateful racism they imply. Wishful thinking? Yes. We need comprehensive immigration reform that reflects our values as a country and recognizes our economic needs. This requires a merit-based system that attracts talent, freedom-loving individuals from across the globe, whether they are from Haiti, Norway, or anywhere else. Too late. Too no, late. Because I, we know what merit-based yeah. means. I, it means skin color. I would add I would add that though. Add to that. It's not just we need a, a, a multi-pronged approach to immigration, not just merit-based, but humanitarian-based as well. An overall package of easing the burden of suffering, the burden of poverty where we can, and also a merit-based. We can do it all. We're not bound to one solution. We are the United States of America, still the wealthiest nation on the planet. We can do it if we have the political will to do so. But like you're saying, Brittany, this absolutely is a racist engineering of an immigration policy. Yeah. Talking about those shithole countries. Mm -hmm. Why can't we get more white, tall white people Beautiful white people from Norway. Yeah. So I want to read one more statement. Yeah. This is from Representative Luis Gutierrez, Democrat of Illinois. Um, he issued this statement. As an American, I am ashamed of the president. His comments are disappointing, unbelievable, but not surprising. We always knew that President Trump doesn't like people from certain countries or people of certain colors. We can now say with 100% confidence that the president is a racist who does not share the values yes. enshrined in our Constitution or Declaration of Independence. He has embraced racists, white nationalists, and neo-Nazis and makes excuses for them. He launched his campaign saying Mexicans are rapists and murderers. He has refused to address the crisis facing the American citizens of Puerto Rico. He has tried several times to bar people of certain religions or nationalities from legal entry to the United States. He attacks professional sports stars to entertain his base and has boasted about his habit of groping women inappropriately. Now he has spent most of the last six months undocumenting immigrants who have had work permits and deep roots in the United States by killing DACA and TPS. This is the real Donald Trump, and my biggest fear is that his voters will applaud him. And they are right now. 
I just made a mention of a racist engineering or engineering our immigration policy based on race. If you have listened to the show, if you're a loyal listener who's listened for a while, and if you were listening back this summer, August, there was a moment when Jim Acosta from CNN was in the White House press briefing room and Stephen Miller, the same smug, never been punched in his fucking face, Stephen Miller, who was on CNN this weekend with JTAP, they had a little back and forth, a little discussion about immigration policy. And remember, if you will, this moment, specifically with the idea of racially engineered immigration policy, because that's pretty much the question Jim Acosta is asking. And I just want to say, like you're trying to engineer the racial say, and ethnic flow of people into this country. Jim, that policy. is one of the most outrageous, insulting, ignorant, and foolish things you've ever said. And for you, that's still a really the, the notion that you think that this is a racist bill is so wrong and so insulting. Jim, the reality is, is that the foreign born population into our country has quadrupled since 1970. I would love to break that fucking smug individual right in half this Uh do we need more evidence that this is a racist administration enacting racist policies to fit a racist fucking agenda so here's what i meant by dog whistle specifically because what donald trump is really talking about here is white genocide And that is the term that people like Richard Spencer and David Duke use to describe what happens when you have immigration from countries um, of people of color, predominantly people of color. And they believe that, that if you have an influx of people coming into the country that are not white, that that is going to result in interracial relationships um, yes, and, and then those babies that they have will not be white. Right, and thus creating less of a population of white people. resulting unquote, in what they fewer call, white people. Right, resulting in what they refer to as white genocide, okay? Don't think they truly understand what genocide is, but yeah. And, and so when he says things like this, the racists who are terrified of white genocide believe that it is very much a risk to their livelihood to have people coming into the country. Um, This speaks to them and they hear it and they know what it means. Yeah. So to people who want to try to um, write this off as him being ineloquent or whatever the excuse we're going to hear from Sarah Huckabee Sanders tomorrow might be. No, he knows what he's saying. And if he doesn't know what he's saying, well, this is in his heart and it came out anyway. So, well, luckily enough, we live in a country that is diverse in not just race, not just ethnicity, but diverse in thought. And it is being represented right now on the news networks. Listen to Anderson Cooper talking about Haiti today of all days because of not only because of what Donald Trump said but because this is an anniversary of the horrific earthquake in Haiti 
which Anderson Cooper covered um, cover to cover. He was there on the ground witnessing the horror and the carnage. I just want to take a moment to talk about Haiti, one of the places the President of the United States referred to today as a shithole country. I was taught math in high school by a Haitian immigrant named Yves Vallel, who worked hard, who dedicated himself to teaching kids in America. He ultimately returned to his country of Haiti and was assassinated while running for president. I spent a lot of time in Haiti. I first went there in the early 1990s as a young reporter. In 2010, my team from CNN was the first international team of journalists on the ground after the earthquake struck. I spent more than a month there and have returned many times on assignment and on vacation. Like all countries, Haiti is a collection of people. It's rich and poor, well-educated and not good and bad. But I've never met a Haitian who isn't strong. You have to be to survive in a place where the government has often abandoned its people, where opportunities are few and where Mother Nature has punished the people far more than anyone should ever be punished. But let me be clear tonight. The people of Haiti have been through more. They've been through more. They've withstood more. They fought back against more injustice than our president ever has. Tomorrow marks exactly eight years since the earthquake struck Haiti. A 7.1 magnitude earthquake killed anywhere between 220,000 and 300,000 people. The actual numbers will never be known because they were buried in unmarked pits. One and a half million people were displaced. For days and weeks without help from their own government or police, the people of Haiti dug through rubble with their bare and bloodied hands to save complete strangers, guided only by the cries of the wounded and the dying. I was there when a young girl named B, who'd been trapped in rubble for nearly a day, was rescued by people who had no heavy equipment. They just had their God-given strength and their determination and their courage. I was there when a five-year-old boy named Monley was rescued after being buried for more than seven days. Do you know what strength it takes to survive on rainwater buried under concrete? A five-year-old boy buried for seven days. Haitians slap your hand hard when they shake it. They look you in the eye. They don't blink. They stand tall, and they have dignity. It's a dignity many in this White House could learn from. It's a dignity the president, with all his money and all his power, could learn from as well. On the anniversary of the earthquake, on this day when this president has said what he has said about Haitians, we hope the people in Haiti who are listening tonight in Port-au-Prince, in Jacmel, in Benet, in Miami, and elsewhere, we hope they know that our thoughts are with them and that our love is with them as well. And our asshole president says they all have AIDS. And that why are we letting them, them in from this shithole country? What have we done, America? I hope this enrages every fucking person within the sound of my voice. 2018 is upon us. The midterms are months away. It is time to get involved. On the off chance that he is not removed prematurely, that he does not resign prematurely, we need a Democratic Congress a Senate, and a House of Representatives that are an opposition party to this fucking racist. Guterres is right. He is a racist. Let's cut the bullshit. He doesn't say racist things, has problematic views. The president 
of these United States is a racist, a hate monger, a partner of racists. Men like Joe Arpaio, who oversee the systemic torture and eventual killing of inmates. The chaining to beds women who are giving birth to babies while incarcerated. Donald Trump saw fit to pardon a man like that. Donald Trump saw fit to have Steve Bannon given a permanent seat on the National Security Council. It's time. You know, it's just, it's weird to me that um, working class white people, and I'm, th- I'm thinking of Dave Chappelle because uh, I watched his comedy specials, and mm-hmm. one of the, one of the, most profound parts of it was when he talked about poor white people and how they're his least favorite white people. (laughs) And, um, it's really very funny. You should watch. There's two that just got released. Watch the very first one. Yeah. Um, just as a quick side note, my favorite part was when, um, (laughs) someone in the audience wanted to use his vape (laughs) and he just off the cuff started talking about, um, how he didn't want their herpes or whatever. (laughs) Okay, anyway, um, back to the thing. Um, and, and his least favorite are poor white people. And I don't understand how these working class white people who voted for Donald Trump and continue to defend him um, and everything he says don't see that behind closed doors, he feels the same way about them. Right. As he does these quote unquote shithole countries that he's talking about. Um. He it's exactly right. He loves the poorly educated. I mean, he said it. He knows what they are. He would treat them disrespectfully. Right. You you out live in public. You live in Appalachia, coal mining country. Yeah. Th- these you are, think Donald Trump thinks you live in a fancy place, or he thinks you live in a fucking shithole? These are people that would be completely disregarded. That if Donald Trump wasn't Donald Trump and he was just yeah. a run of the mill rich guy, he would be treating these people terribly out in public spaces. So I don't get that angle of it. Um, But then some people might say, well, it's because they're racist. (laughs) And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's either they don't have a problem supporting a racist or they are racist or they're not paying attention or that issue isn't important enough for them because of the benefit that they ultimately believe they will get out of their vote. I I don't know. Well, ultimately, like we said after the election, it's not a deal breaker for them. Yeah, it's not a deal breaker. And and maybe there are people, I hope, that as he continues to stumble and make poor decisions and say racist things like he did today— that they will start to get it. I don't know, and this is why I don't know. Because those people are typically Fox News viewers. 24-7, got it on the TV, watching the old Fox News, watching Fox and Friends in the morning. Except for when Shep's on. Yeah, they turned off then. Listen to how Fox News is, is listen, we just heard Tap talk about it. 
We heard Anderson Cooper, his emotional, heartfelt message to and about the people of Haiti. Listen to Jesse Waters, another guy who strikes me as someone who's never been punched right in his fucking face. Or if it's true, this is how the forgotten men and women in America talk at the bar. This is how Trump relates to people. If you're at a bar and you're in Wisconsin and you're thinking they're bringing in a bunch of Haiti people or El Salvadorians or people from Niger, this is how some people talk. Is it graceful? No. Is it polite or delicate? Absolutely not. Is it a little offensive? Of course it is. But you know what? This doesn't move the needle at all. This is who Trump is. He doesn't care. He shoots from the hip. And if he offends some people, fine. There's so many more offensive things that are happening in this world. I hate that argument. I hate that argument so much. There's so many more offensive things that are happening. You know what? Guess what? You're on a talk show. How long is that talk show that you're on, Jesse Waters? Is it probably an hour? Yeah, I bet it's probably an hour. Do you have time to fill? Yeah, there's plenty of things that you're going to be talking about. That's one of the things you're talking about. You can talk about many different things that are offensive. Is that not the case? I don't. Why? No, you're right. Why do people say that? It's a it's a distraction. Uh, it's a diversionary. My it, face is hot right it, now. It, you look red. You you do. You look like you're pissed off. <laughs> well, first of all, there's two things I don't like about this. Talking about Only the forgetting, two? the forgotten men and women. Shut the fuck up about the forgotten men and women. How are we? How are they forgotten? If you won't shut the fuck up about them, <laughs> they're clearly not forgotten because you won't quit flapping your goddamn gums about the forgotten men and women. You dumbass. God damn. Oh, the other point. thing. That's a good point. The other thing is that, well, that's just how they talk about it in a bar. Donald Trump's not in a bar, you fucking asshole. He's in the fucking White House of the United, the People's House. Okay. See, this is what I was getting at, though. This is what bothers me, is this, this constant attempt to make Donald Trump one of the guys. That's what I mean. He is not one of the guys. He has had a gold spoon with right in his with, asshole on his person at all times <laughs> since he possibly in his person since he was a child. Yes. And you're going to act like he can walk into a bar and like chill with some guys that it, It's not Listen. It's not even that. No, I get it, but I'm saying that too. He's trying to make him, he's one of us. For sure, that's what they're trying to do. Yeah. But, the, well, this is why they talk in a bar. Well, listen, people in a bar aren't forming and formulating our immigration policy. Mm-hmm. They're sitting in a bar drinking their sorrows away. Because their manufacturing job was taken. Yeah, well, it's also not a good argument against the comments not being racist because they're sitting in a bar just like making racist comments. That seems pretty believable. Um, Right, right. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah. It's all, it's it's just, it's it's disappointing. I I don't know. uh, I don't know. Again, it's one of those moments where the bar just keeps being moved further and further along because it's uh, it's crazy town. It's goddamn crazy town. So anyway, the other thing, and this this kind of goes to to this entire theme that we're talking about here, and it's 
it's it's a it's a just a vast disrespect. It, it's a doing business a different way in the White House, and it runs from Sarah Huckabee Sanders on down. And this particular thing is immigration related. Sarah Huckabee Sanders was asked during a press briefing either today or yesterday about the wall that they're talking about being made, being it was built, yesterday. and uh, whether or not Mexico, because how many hundreds, if not thousands of times did Donald Trump say Mexico was going to pay for the wall? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to play this clip. It's about a minute and a half. The, the guy asks the questions. If you ever watch the briefings, it's the guy who always props his uh, glasses up on his forehead. I don't know who he is. I'm clearly not a... <laughs> the glasses guy. Glasses the glasses guy. on the forehead guy. So he asks the questions. He asks the question. She answers very, very quickly and then moves on. And I'm going to play the other question and answer because I want you to listen to the difference in the the brevity with which she, she answers him and the detail with which she gives the answer to the very next question. Last summer, Governor Gracchus, the head of the Mexican Governors Association, said that when the president started talking about a price tag on building the wall, that meant he'd given up on his idea of making Mexico pay for it. Now, in his remarks in Tennessee and in his recent speeches, the president has talked about the cost of the wall and there's been no mention of his standard phrase and Mexico will pay for it. Has the president abandoned the idea of Mexico paying for the wall? No, he hasn't. Phil. Um, on trade again, uh, negotiations on that will start again at the end of, uh, of uh, January in Montreal. Listening to the president in Tennessee yesterday, is he more hopeful? Does he still plan on scrapping the deal if he can't get everything he wants? Uh, look, the president, as, as we've said many times before, wants to make sure that we have a deal that benefits America and American workers. And we're going to continue through that process and make sure that whatever we do, uh, we get the best deal possible. A little more hopeful than he was six months ago? Uh, look, I think the president's always been hopeful that we can get a better deal. I think that's why he ran for president, is to make sure that he's pushing an agenda that helps Americans, and particularly helps American workers, and he's ho- hoping to uh, close a lot of those trade deficits and get rid of some of the bad trade deals that we've had in the past. That is inherently dismissive and disrespectful of the free press. He asks a valid question on everyone's mind. Has the president abandoned the idea of Mexico paying for the wall? No, he hasn't. Boom. On to the next question. She can't pontificate a little bit, maybe add a little bit of extra extra grease on that? Yeah, well, I want to say that um, number one, she cannot be given an out like this. So ask her a why question next time. Yes. Why does it seem like the president has given up on the idea for a Mexico paying for the wall? Yeah. No, that's awesome. Um, he did ask a closed-ended question rather than an open, like, more. Yeah. I mean, I'm not blaming him. You know, the, eh, He's the, a professional. The victim in the abusive relationship here. <laughs> I'm not blaming him, but I'm saying right. that uh, he, he could have asked the question better. Yeah, okay? he for like, sure could have. He could have formulated it a little bit better. So, uh, 
anyway, it just I'm today was one of those days for me. Look, look, I try, I, I try to be positive, guy. I try to be uh, hopeful, yeah, silver lining guy, and I still am, and I'm hopeful now. I mean, it just it's one of those days. I, I just I'm frustrated. I'm very frustrated. Hopefully, this cheers me up. Taking care of biz. Reporters in the Netherlands. Ah, Dutch media. And you know, when I watched this video, I thought of Nikki in the yeah. Netherlands. And I thought that this would also make her happy. So we'll, maybe we'll dedicate this to Nikki in the Netherlands too. Absolutely. Um, her her reporters of her country representing for her. It's great. Um, so, you know, this guy, we talked about him, the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> the U.S. ambassador. To no, the that's fake news. I, I didn't say that. Yeah. They play the clip. Yeah, we what? did. I never denied saying that. Yes. <laughs> uh, we played that clip and. Um, I think it was the asshole of today. I think so. Yeah. A couple episodes ago. Maybe. Yeah. 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 Um, he's well, back in the news, everybody. <laughs> yeah. He's at it again. And he was taking questions from Dutch journalists. And they wanted to ask him more about those unsubstantiated claims that he made in 2015 about chaos that the Islamic movement had allegedly brought to the Netherlands. Burning cars and setting politicians on fire. Right. And so they started asking him um, specific questions about this, and he tried to shut it down and said that he was not going to be revisiting this issue. And rather than what you see in our press briefings here yes. in America. These journalists, they stood in solidarity and they would not move on. Each subsequent journalist continued to demand an answer from the same question from the earlier one. Right. Awesome. I want to get back to your statement a few weeks ago about the Newsroom interview because you said you, you regret the exchange with Newsroom. You didn't come back to the original remarks saying that politicians were burned. Do you now unevocably... <coughs> Do you now um, reach a conclusion that you were wrong when you stated that politicians and cars were being burned? Because you can discuss views, like you said, but not facts. Was that yeah. a wrong remark? Was it false? I, 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 I issued a statement. Saying the I exchange made, with I, 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 I expressed my regrets and my apology for the comments that I made. Uh, and I'm not revisiting the issue. Yeah, but for what remarks exactly? So, um, no, no, serious, yes. uh, please. Yeah. Uh, this is important. Yeah. For the original yeah. remarks? Are, are politicians being burnt in the Netherlands in the past? Is that something you believe, yes or no? I'm not revisiting the issue. I have, I mean, I have expressed my regrets and I've expressed an apology. Um, so if, you're, you're, if, still, you're if, still sticking to that original remark. You're regretting the newsy remarks, but not the original remarks. We're remark. going to recall. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. We have the next question. Any example of a Dutch politician who is burned recent years? We got a Bonnie. Good morning, Ambassador. Good morning. This is not how this works, guys. This is the Netherlands. You have to answer questions. Please. This is not how it works. He's answering the questions. No, he didn't. He didn't answer mine. Yeah. Or Ilko's. Did it ask his question? Did it answer his question? If we don't have any further questions, then we can... We do. No, no. Okay, I'm asking Bonnie to put her question out there. Okay. 
Yeah. So what happened is someone that worked for him stepped in to try to run interference because he was he was making this awkward. He was just staring at them with a blank look on his face. He turned his back to them at one point. Yeah. Also, he, in the beginning, he was like backing away toward the fireplace, oh, like yeah. creating a lot of like he was <laughs> yeah. like, uh, it's a pack amazing. of wolves are going to get me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you don't need to be a body language expert on uh, the O'Reilly factor to get that one. You are our, this is, you are the resident show body language expert. No, but that was pretty obvious. He was backing away, almost <laughs> threw himself into the fire right. to get away from the questions that were being asked. Um, but you Did, heard, you heard that, right? Yeah, this is the Netherlands. You have to answer questions. Yes. That's not how that works here, buddy. Yeah. And the woman stepped in um, on behalf of the U.S. ambassador to the Netherlands and said, you know, he is answering your questions. And they're like, no, he's not. <laughs> this isn't how this works. You can't gaslight us, motherfucker. Yeah. You, not not working, you know. And they did. They came together. And it's, a, it's a model that our press should follow. I wish that they would do that yeah. more often because, you know, Sarah Huckabee Sanders is so rude to Jim Acosta. It contemptuous. If she ever calls on him, which is rare, then she treats him terribly and is dismissive. And what if people stood with Jim Acosta and didn't allow that to happen? And when she didn't answer his question and she got smug and dismissive, they follow. You know, I'm going to follow up on Jim's question because yeah. I actually think that he was uh, he was going somewhere with that. So uh, I'm going to ask it in a different way. You know, yeah, it, um, that's what should happen. And then maybe she won't feel Sarah Huckabee Sanders as though she can treat people that way from the podium. And I want to say this, um, CNN, let's give a congratulations to Jim Acosta, who this week was promoted to chief White House correspondent for yes. CNN, which is awesome because that's them standing behind their guy. Yeah, even that's though- not look, you've caused problems for the White House. You're not getting to ask as many questions as normal. We're going to have to put somebody else in there. Right. They're saying, no, fuck you. Not only are we going to keep him there, we're promoting him. I think it's awesome. It goes against really the, the, the interest of the organization as a company, but they're doing the right thing and they're standing on principle and good for CNN, which I don't always have uh, the greatest things to say because they make a lot of mistakes. But all in all, I think they're they're really trying to, to 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 do to do a good job. Yeah, I wouldn't say they make a lot of mistakes. They've well, made, they've I, made I, some I, mistakes. I believe Donald Trump is president, you know, in large part because of their coverage. Okay, well, that's different than a mistake. Seems like a pretty big mistake. <laughs> Well, are you saying that they they like intentionally? No, but the, it was the the allure of the ratings was so great that they couldn't cut away from his hour and a half long rallies during the middle of the day and shit. You know, remember how crazy it was? Yeah, but I would argue that it's less the covering his rallies all day and more um, the coverage of Hillary Clinton's emails as though her emails were equally a problem or more of a problem than how difficult Donald Trump. <laughs> you are just uh, choosing your words very carefully. I <laughs> I like it. Anyway. I like it. How long has this show been? Uh, an hour, over an hour, 20 minutes. Okay. Well, it's been an upsetting day, so we had to we had to talk about it. Like I said, feel a little better. Got a little moonshine in me. Listen, 
Anybody out there wants to send some booze? P.O. Box 15822. Yeah, but send it through um, UPS or FedEx because... <laughs> well, that doesn't get delivered to the post office box, and I'm not giving our address. All right. Well, I don't know a solution because yeah. I don't want to go to mail jail is what I'm saying. We wouldn't go to mail jail. Okay. All right. Addresses on the website, on the contact us page, everybody. <laughs> All right. We're going to leave you there. We love you guys. Listen, even on days like this where I'm having a rough go of it, a little bit more depressed than normal. No, not the normal because I'm not a depressed guy. But when I'm, you know, I'm feeling down. I'm feeling frustrated. I'm bothered. Doing the show is a cathartic experience. And I really do feel like we're. We're, we're touching. We're reaching out there. And uh, we might not have you in the room. You might not be in studio while we're recording. But you're in our mind and you're in our hearts. And we love you guys a lot. We appreciate all that you do from, for us. From listening twice a week or as often as you do. To, to rating and reviewing us on iTunes. All the way through. To actually giving of your, of your, your blood and treasure through Patreon and buying stuff on Amazon. You guys are are the best audience in podcasting, and we cannot say enough or do enough to appreciate and uh, demonstrate how much we love you guys. Uh, we will see you next time. If you're a Patreon person, you'll see us on the live stream. We love you. We will see you then. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollimore. This has been I Doubt It. I hope it didn't come out of a bathtub. <laughs> Again, Amy, we're trusting you. <laughs> yeah.